Hi everyone and welcome to episode 75 of SAMA. SAMA is a program which invites an expert to talk about their area of expertise and this week we are very lucky to have Maria Wheatley to talk to us about dowsing, healing, earth energies and ley lines. Maria is a second generation dowser who was taught by European master dowsers, her late father and Chinese geomance. She is a leading authority on geodetic earth energies, ley lines, and ancient megalithic sites. Maria is the UK's foremost dowser of the geodetic system of earth energies, some of which emit spiral patterns produced by water born within the earth, which can be healing and conducive to good health. We can talk about that soon. Maria has studied Neolithic Britain and Bronze Age prehistory at Bath and Oxford universities. Alongside other professionals, Maria combines her knowledge of archaeology and earth energies with state-of-the-art equipment to detect and interpret the hidden frequencies that the earth emits. So, Maria, welcome to our SAMA. Hi, well, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here today. Now, we've never had a SAMA expert on dowsing before, so we're particularly excited to have you with us. And we're very lucky because you're such a, a, a full-rounded expert on dowsing. Now, which brings us to the very first question, um, which will be in some people's minds. What is dowsing and does it hurt? <laughs> <laughs> what, what is dowsing? Well, dowsing really is the art of being able to find different sorts of energies or products like water, or in some cases, oil and minerals, is the ability to find something that is hidden and be able to interpret it professionally. So um, when we think of dowsing, instantly that comes to mind is the kind of old village water diviner that could find a well and it could be bored. So right. yes, that's one branch of, of dowsing, but there's many other branches as well. And dowsers use very simple, dowsing equipment, instruments such as pendulums and dowsing rods to find particular types of energies or water, for instance. What is the function of an accessory that helps you dowsing? And can you explain the differences between them? Please. Dowsing really is a very ancient art, and it's a very ancient art that I feel is innate in all of us. I think most people can douse. Your body is a finite dowsing instrument in a way, because your body knows what's good for it and what isn't good for it. I mean, most uh, living organisms do that. So really, in a way, what dowsing is, is an extension of our sixth, sixth sense extension of our own kind of body reactions but we now have a finite instrument that we can direct sometimes questions to to understand the environment in which we live and today dowsters become very popular to try and understand whether we live amid good energies or whether we live amid more toxic uh, earth energy so that's becoming a very popular branch of the astrological tree Yes. So would it be fair to say that a dowsing instrument, whether it's a rod or a pendulum, um, that, that that instrument amplifies a signal, a response that your body is giving? Yes. And it was a two-way thing, uh, really. It's about your body is picking up on earth energies, possibly grid lines that we'll go into later. And your rod is developing a relationship between you and the earth or you and the environment. So it's allowing you to understand it on a much more kind of sensitive frequency level. So the Dowson instrument is extension of your sixth sense, but also the picking up on what the earth emissions are as well. So all of that combined creates an expert dowser that can go into a property, an office, or an area, and start to decode the types of energies that are, that are influencing the environs. Right. Have you got any pendulums or rods that you can show us? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, here I've got a, a standard uh, L rod. Uh, I'm going to put it up to, to the webcam now. It has what's called a sleeve on it. And it's just made of copper and brass. I mean, if it was all copper, it would be not, you know, very solid. And it's very easy to use a Dowson instrument like this uh, copper L rod because you put it in the pointing position, pointing straight ahead and parallel to the ground. That's called search, okay? If I want to find the direction of something, and for instance, where I'm sat today, there's a lamp over on my left-hand side. Uh, you can't see it, but it's over there. I can say to my rod, this is called directional dowsing, uh, show me the direction of the silver lamp. Show me the direction of the silver lamp. Show me the direction of the silver lamp. And it's pointing in that direction, not bang on to where the lamp is, but it's saying to me, if you want to find the silver lamp, you're gonna have to walk in that direction. And when it finds the silver lamp, it will go to a found position like that. Wow. That so, could, sorry, John. Oh, I was just going to say that will come in very handy for doing the grocery shopping. <laughs> On a mundane level, yes. <laughs> so we can actually find things that you truly don't know yourself where they are. Like you, you knew beforehand where the lamp was, but mm. it can point to things where you don't know where they are. Exactly. That's one of the first exercises that I teach people how to douse is first of all, it's building up a relationship with you and your rod because you have to have trust in your rod and the rod has to have trust in you. I think it's a two way relationship. And we start off by finding things, the direction of objects that we can see, and then we gradually build up that skill to further afield like what's in the next village, where's the next supermarket, <laughs> direction of the nearest uh, supermarket, uh, in your, your terms. <laughs> or you can, you know, go on to much, much further afield. It's, it's basically kind of baby steps to building up some very good, accurate core skills. Wow. So, Maria, if you're trying to find somebody, let's say somebody's gone missing, can a dowsing rod find a missing person? In theory, yes. I mean, there's some dowsers that do specialize uh, in that. But the, the thing about finding a missing person is everybody leaves what's called a remnants trail behind. If you imagine it's like an etheric thread of where you have been and where you have walked. It can be far more complex than just trying to find someone. In all probability, you start off finding where they were. Okay. See what I'm saying, and then you build up uh, to that. I personally don't specialize in finding missing people. I specialize okay. in kind of earth energies and, and health issues to, to, to people's lives. But yes, Dowson can be applied to that. Okay. Have the Dowsing instruments evolved over time? How do they... Absolutely. A absolutely. You're very uh, right there. Because when we go back to the times of the, what, like the Bronze Age, 2500 BC, and we go to places like ancient Egypt, it was noted by two French diviners that of, all on the temple walls of the Valley of the Kings, you have these kind of instruments that the ancient... Uh, Egyptians were holding. Then the French were there for a lot of the excavations, as were the English and Germans. They were the main excavators of Egypt at that time, going back to like the 1920s and the turn of the last century, rightly or wrongly. But what the uh, French did notice was a particular type of device in a pendulum form was found in certain burials within the Valley of the Kings. And they coined the phrase the Isis pendulum and the Karnak pendulum. And I'm going to show you the Isis pendulum now. It's Gosh. a standard Isis uh, pendulum of four bars. And it comes in two parts. A really good uh, pendulum, Isis pendulum, will come into two, in two parts. Why? Because it's a, a, a device. And when you put it into use, you screw it up uh, so it becomes one whole device and that's called the Isis pendulum. That can clear an area of uh, toxic energy 
and it introduces a particular frequency and color that the earth and the sun emit. It's going to unscrew that now because it's not in use. The next pendulum that was found is called the Karnak pendulum. And the Karnak uh, pendulum, again, comes into two parts. It's uh, that type of uh, shape. Again, you see this all over ancient Egypt on the temple walls with Ankh crosses coming out of it, saying it's uh, given off the life force. You put it together uh, and screw it up, and then the Karnak pendulum looks like this, and that's a very powerful healing uh, device that emits, again, a particular frequency that the sun and the earth emit. So that's your kind of traditional Egyptian pendulums. And today, since the 1960s, it became popular to use a normal standard, for example, crystal uh, pendulum like this, in which you direct a question at, and that's called information dowsing. And sometimes if dowsers are honest, sometimes they get 100% from information dowsing. In all probability, most people run between 70 and 80% accuracy uh, with a pendulum. I'm sure a lot of people will say, no, 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 I've always had 100% right answers. But, but I think there is a flaw in information dowsing. And it's only really become popular since the 1960s and the advent of the new age around about the uh, 1990s. Prior to that, you would use a device to heal or to clear. I wonder why there was the change. I wonder why we're now using crystals or, or stones rather than something metallic, which was the other two examples you had. An amazing Dalston story that has gone down in history is the reason of the change. The two French diviners are called Traumarie and de Belazel. They had a laboratory for Dalston. Now the Karnak pendulum that I just showed you uh, can generate a force of sunlight and earth energy. If we think of the sun and the earth as constantly interacting, but it emits a frequency called negative green. A negative green is all-powerful. Uh, a pyramid will emit it, certain dome shapes will emit that frequency. And in his laboratory, one of the, the French diviners filled an object so full of the negative green frequency, we think of them as frequencies rather than colour, that he was found one week later in his laboratory completely mummified with no smell of, of death around him. So that went down in Dowson history, and it became quite, oh my God, these pendulums emit such forces. You think we'll put those to one side and we'll make something a little bit less dramatic. And pendulum Dowson took off after that phase, but used correctly, because there's a lot of new age shops. I'm gonna put the Karnak pendulum uh, together uh, in, a, in a moment because you have a lot of new age shops that sell this pole, don't buy it. It's constantly emitting a frequency. This is a device from ancient Egypt. And I see that in crystal format all of the time. And that's, that's just not a good energy to be around all of the time. But I can understand it. They look harmless. They look just like funny shapes uh, made of brass. But they do uh, give off this frequency that can be very healthy in small, correct doses. It's a bit like a medicine. If you're going to take all of your antibiotics at once, it's going to be very detrimental and very, you know, it will do damage. The same with these type of pendulums. With a little bit of good tuition, with a little kind of understanding of it, you can go on to be a fantastic holistic healer with these energy devices. That's intriguing. That's this amazing. Gosh, it was mummified. Absolutely. I mean, that is the uh, what happened to the French diviners, and that's the crossover point of psychic dowsing, as it's called, directing a question at a pendulum rather than using a pendulum for clearing my auric field, for instance, my chakras, my home, uh, energy lines, places, etc. How was dowsing first discovered? That's a very good question. And if we go to an American author called uh, Sig Longren, then he claims that in a cave in Africa, 
there was a, a cave painting of somebody given a Taoist lesson, and he claims it goes back to 6,000 BC from these cave paintings. Have they been seen by anybody else? I have never uh, uh, seen that personally, but that's that's so he says that is an actual fact. I think Dowson has been documented, regardless of it's going back 6,000 years ago. It has been documented by Queen Cleopatra. Uh, she wanted gold. So she employed Dowsers to find gold, nothing else. They were trained in that and that alone. Uh, the, in the Second World War, Hitler was using Dowson. Even when we come to the American Vietnam War, they were using Dowson to try and detect whether Viet Cong were hiding out in houses and things. So history has a kind of uh, been used by the military, it's been used by the royalty, and it's always been used as a water divining technique nonetheless. And then obviously through the medieval times, it had to go underground because you'd be burnt on the stake as a heretic, as a witch, if you were found with, with any of these uh, devices. So how can people, modern people, modern age people, use dowsing to improve their lives, their health? For dowsing, exactly, John. Dowsing is an asset to our lives. Like I say, with a little bit of basic tuition, you can run with this. We can look at our homes and we say the, the phrase, as safe as houses. And most people think their house is their sanctuary and their home. Indeed it is, it certainly is for me. But if we think for one moment that the earth upon which we live, Gaia, the earth mother, call her what you will, or just basically planet earth, that that planet uh, that we live upon has like nets, like fish nets. Imagine fish nets thrown over the globe and they're tight at the, the poles and they tend to bulge out at the equators because the earth isn't a perfect circle, she's a sphere that bulges out. Well, these are called grid systems and you can get grid systems that are positive and you can get grid systems that are negative. You can get grid systems that kind of connect ancient sites in, in lines uh, and lays uh, as well. But if we look at two particular grid systems and they can affect our health. And if we put our bed, um, innocently so, on a crossing point of a grid or a toxic grid line, then it was found in Germany after doing a survey for seven years, I believe from 1995 onwards for that seven year period, that no matter what type of health uh, care you were having, that could be acupuncture, the chemotherapy, if you went back to sleeping on the grid lines, it was found that you would take a much longer time to self-heal. And we call that geopathic stress. So if you imagine all toxic earth energies come under the umbrella, geopathic stress, and you're pretty uh, understanding of what that can do. It can slow your healing down, and it can long-term exposure, I mean, living over a crossing point of a grid or a line for 10 years plus, long-term exposure, and the same to underground negative uh, water, uh, stagnant water or rainfall water that flows in the ground, that's geopathic stress, and it can affect our health. Dowsing can allow you to find where your bed is placed. All you have to do is, if it is on a grid crossing, move it over slightly. And you know, it's only about you know, 15 centimeters wide, some grid lines, and then you're in a safe space. So they can help us live more healthier and longer lives. Gosh, would, would you use a rod in that instance? Yes, I would, I would use an L rod. And you know when you're on a grid, grids are really very simple. If we look, for, for instance, to what's called the Hartman grid, the Hartman grid was discovered in the 1950s by Dr. Ernest Hartman, hence the name Hartman grid. And it's about 2.5 uh, meters wide by about two meters in depth. And it goes from north to south across the whole of the some of uh, it's, it was used to be believed that the Hartman grid only emitted geopathic stress, toxic energy, at times of like earthquakes, thunderstorms, you know, something really dramatic. But today, with the advent of Wi Fi, 
4G, the approach of 5G, for example, we call that e-smog, electronic smog. That's it's believed by some bouncers to be traveling down that once innocent grid system. So we now look at all grid systems as being potentially uh, injurious to one's health. Gosh, you wouldn't want your house built over one of those, would you? No, I mean, exactly. But like I say, you, you can really just employ dowsing to find out the kind of areas that are beneficial because that's considered, you know, geopathic stress, same as underground uh, rainfall water or geopathic stress. And if you live above underground water sources, uh, uh, that's long-term exposure again, then in all probability, whatever is in your DNA system that isn't good, that could be cancer, rheumatoid arthritis, whatever is in that DNA bank, as it were, you will develop living above that type of uh, underground water. So that's all considered to be toxic. And that's what a good diviner does. Comes around to your home or office, says, this is the grid. Get your electronic equipment off the grid. Uh, get yourself off the grid and live in harmony with the grid lines and mother earth that's the idea behind it you know you, you can go online and find a million and one geopathic stress devices that claim to do this and that a little bit of movement of your furniture and items in the home and your bang living in harmony with the earth once more okay a question's coming from gonzalez he asks uh, how would you describe the difference between the Hartman and Hartman and Curry lines? Is there any difference? That's a really good them? question, uh, and thank you for that question. It's it's really good and thoughtful. It's the direction the grids flow. So, for example, to recognise the Hartman grid, then that's going from north to south and east to west at about two point five metres interval on average. Okay and uh, easy to find with dowsing. And you just show, uh, go get a compass, look at north on the compass, get your dowsing rod and say, show me the nearest Hartman line and you, you will find it. The curry net comes in at a Pacific angle of 45 degrees flowing from northwest to southeast. It's more at an angle and that's the toxic crossing points are every seven meters. You will read on the internet, no it isn't, it's every 3.5 meters is a toxic crossing point. Why is that disinformation out there? Plagiarism. My father was one of the first to write about the curry net along with David Tilt and it was uh, uh, edited out by Harpers and Collins. It was too complicated to tell the thinking public that it was every other crossing line. So they changed it to every crossing line and now it's all over the internet and it's disinformation. <laughs> so that's uh, how plagiarism works. So yes, it's really down to the angle that uh, the grid's coming at. So the uh, Curry grid, northeast, uh, north yeah, through the northeast at a 45 degree angle very toxic. Now, when I teach dowsing, I get somebody to find the line, uh, you know, with the dowsing rod. And then I say to them, stand on that line, find a crossing point, stand on it. How does that make you feel? And if one is calm for just a couple of minutes and, you know, in that kind of good uh, receptive space, as it were, you do start to feel slightly nauseous. Yeah. You, your, your body will recognize this. If I go to somebody's house and they're saying they've got symptoms, they haven't slept well since they lived in the property, uh, you know, they've never had health issues, now they have health issues. I ask them, how do they sleep in their bed? Because like I said uh, earlier on, your body actually knows what's good for you. So some people curl in a particular direction in the bed because they're trying to avoid unconsciously the grid line. And you know if you've got geopathic stress symptoms, you, you do not sleep very uh, well. You normally wake up between three and four o'clock. That's when geopathic stress is at its uh, most strong. Uh, that's in the morning, uh, three to four a.m. And you, you could grind your teeth and you do wake up feeling very fatigued. They tend to be your basic uh, symptoms of geopathic stress. Okay, and so both of those line types, the Hartman and the Curry lines, are they both, uh, is there no difference in energy between the two? Are they just the way they're orientated? Is that how it works? And it's very negative where they cross? Uh, 
Exactly so. But if we say the Hartman grid used to be quite benign as it was described, but a lot of people are saying now with uh, our electronic, you know, mobile phones, mobile masks, you know, etc., that that's becoming toxic. But the main difference is here is the curry net or the curry grid, as it's sometimes uh, referred to, is very toxic. The other one is more milder. So you you up the amplification on the the curry net, which was incidentally again discovered in the 1950s by uh, Dr. Curry, hence the term curry net. He discovered this because he had a very large private practice, and he noticed where he took a blood sample changed within his practice. And he thought, how can this be? If I put one person in one area, fine. I move them to another area and the blood becomes more sticky and congealed, more at risk of having a stroke uh, to a certain degree. And then after much investigation and realization of the Hartman grid that was being documented at the time, he discovered this global grid system and realized it's the where you are in a building that is important. Now, if we look at that on a modern term, then we could say in hospitals, we would, we would want a bed there on that part of the grid line and children studying. You, you wouldn't want a children learning on the grid system. Just what I mean, I think, I think this ancient wisdom can be applied to a modern generation so that we can get the most uh, beneficial lives that we, we deserve living on planet Earth. Right. Gosh. So there's probably a lot of people that are not living in the right location, even in their room, in their bedroom. They might be sleeping in a bad place. Yeah, uh, exactly. You, you might be on your laptop uh, on, a, on a grid line. I don't know if I'm a which grid, will, which will feed into the system. Just what I mean, if you've got your microwave, your TV, your laptop, all on these grid lines, you're feeding into the negativity. So for me, dowsing allows us to take responsibility for not just myself living in my home, but for other people in my environment. So my router is off the grid. Okay. okay. So my, my, my whole house is more in harmony with Gaia. Okay. Well, these uh, lines are, are stress lines, they're bad lines. Are there any healing earth energies? Any? Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's a really good question because, you know, yes, it's, it's yin and yang. It's the dark and it's the, it's the light. There are some wonderful healing energies out there. And our ancestors were very receptive to them. Whether they used dowsing or not, I'm not claiming that. I'm just saying they knew about these uh, earth energies. Yes. Uh, and they cited their ancient temple spaces upon them. You know, be that Stonehenge, be that the pyramids, Karnak, uh, Medicine Wheel in, in America, etc. And this type of earth energy is generated by very, very deep water that is independent of rainfall. So I've just described geopathic stress as rainfall water filling up the underground streams and aquifers and rivers. And you don't want to live above that because it's emitting a very toxic hertz frequency. Now, if you live above very deep water and i've coined the phrase yin water because it's born within the earth its old-fashioned name is primary uh, water and if you live above this spiral pattern or you better more and better even than that you interact with it you go there and come away which is what our ancestors wanted at these temple spaces that is very very healing and conducive yeah to our health so, so what our ancestors were doing, they were looking at these deep pockets of water, placing their temple spaces above them and saying, interact with that energy. And when we've recorded it with equipment, uh, with uh, an engineer called David Webb, it's been emitting a frequency of seven hertz, which is basically your alpha brainwave. It's good for you. It will relax you. It will calm you. I think ideally it's about interacting with these energies, not necessarily living above them you know, a hundred percent of the time. Okay. And that's called a geospiral. That's that spiral pattern is called a geospiral. It emits a huge uh, energy field and that's conducive to health. Now the ancestors recognize that, but the, it interlaces the planet. There's going to be small pockets of underground water. And if you can find that and interact with that, 
well, it's like a health tonic. Wonderful. If you cannot avoid sleeping on a negative energy line, can you block it in some way or redirect it? For example, I don't, uh, yeah. Oh, so like, like earthing blanket, for example, or earthing sheets. Mm. They, they were considered quite good earthen sheets many years ago when they came out in the like the 80s they were very popular but today again the advent of all of this e-smog some dowsing schools are saying they are no longer good for us okay okay so that's that's one school of thought i wouldn't personally have one okay but some people say they get a beneficial effect from that so i wouldn't rule it out I don't go around moving energy lines, lays or grid lines, because I'm from the Dowson school of thought that's to say Gaia, our Earth Mother, has been here for four billion years. I come along and say, okay, I don't like your line there, Gaia. I'm going to shift it over there through my mental power. And that has been shown to work, especially if there's you know, more than, than one person. But some animals really love those toxic lines, and they will you know, interact with that. Uh, energy. So what I would uh, suggest is get a really good geopathic stress device, uh, which they can be, you know, organ pyramids and things like that, light the lights, do some very good uh, pyramids that can uh, negate that, or better still, just find them and get off them. And you know what one of the most uh, easiest devices to have that uh, raises the negative ions in your home is the good old fashioned Himalayan rock salt lamp. It's going to cost you less than, you know, buy, buying something else. But the main thing is, is get off the grid and live in harmony with the earth and don't move her, her energy lines. If you've got a cold, I'm not going to say, oh, I don't like those emissions coming from your nose. I think I'm going to move it across the side <laughs> of your face. That it's may gonna think. disturb your whole ecosystem. No, seriously, that's that's what some dowsers do, and and I'm more for living in harmony with Gaia, not dictating to this huge conscious planetary body what I think should be going on. Right now, not so much in the UK, but certainly in other countries, people are living in very high apartments. Are they still? You know, how how straight and and sharp are these grid lines as they go up up from the from the ground, like twenty floors, twenty five floors up? Would they still be the one meter across or half a meter across? And you know, even though they're that high up in the air, absolutely, it doesn't matter if we look at the grid lines and visualize uh, just for one moment that they're walls of energy coming out of the ground big okay. walls of energy yes so yes. it doesn't matter if i live on the ground floor or the basement as it were or i'm going to live on the 21st floor if you're on the grid you're on the grid okay <laughs> and and, and it's believed by, by some investigators that, you know, it's right up to the ionosphere of Earth. They, they rise up uh, an awful, awful long way is the kind of theory behind that. Really, we need more investigation into this type of thing. It, it's, it's been around since the 1950s, but I, I really do think that if we put more investment through universities and academia, into these type of uh, earth energy emissions, uh, we could harness the really positive uh, energies, and there's some really positive uh, grid systems, and we could harness these beneficial energies, because if you've got that geospiral pattern, uh, that really positive energy, and that's a big, let's say a lake of very, very deep water beneath us, for, for instance, and that has a river flowing from it, or an underground stream flowing from it, that's called an aqua stat energy, and that is very beneficial to our health. And again, our ancient ancestors understood this. Guess where they built their houses and homes? On these energies, yeah? Now, you will get an archeologist saying, well, they only live to the age of 30, you know, so that's, that's not very good. If you really look to the archaeological record, you'll start finding huge uh, discrepancies in that. People were living to 60, 70, 
80 uh, years of age. So I think they were living in harmony with the earth. And when we look to stately homes in Great Britain, the uh, early secret societies, they would look for these energy patterns and place stately homes above them so that the occupants were maximizing the positive energies for their health, wealth, legacy, and descendants. I've got a theory that a year was much longer back then, and this is why there didn't live so many of them. But a year would have, it would have been two or three years of today's years. The, what if you're living above an artificial lake or a drain, which is very common as well? Would that, it's, still, it's a flow of water. It's not ancient water. It's fresh water. It's dirty water. But it's not an energy. Would you consider that an energy line, or can it create? To a, to a certain degree, it, it's, it's because it's constantly kind of moving and flowing, it's probably not going to have too much of an effect. You know, ideally, you know, you'd, nobody wants to live, you know, with sewage and things like that. Obviously, that is toxic yes. Uh, energy. Yes. But, you know, uh, it's really the, um, the rainfall water and the grid lines that are the number one uh, geopathic uh, stress producers. And there was a, a fantastic master dowser of the 1970s. He was an archaeologist as well, called Tom Lethbridge. And Tom Lethbridge developed a whole way of pendulum dowsing using long cord pendulum dowsing. So everything would have a rate. They like of 26 and a half inches would represent underground water, and a harmonic of that half it, quarter it, just what I mean, to get the pendulum uh, length then he said you, you could find different substances that way. But more importantly, he investigated into hauntings, you know, those um, feelings that one gets over certain points and found that was predominantly underground water, uh, the toxic water we're talking about, the rainfall water, very good to drink, just not good to, to live above. And that he felt it was like, because water has memory, as homeopaths will, tell us that that could if there was an emotional impact you know somebody sadly got murdered or, or you know parted suddenly that that whole environment that whole kind of energy field of the water that's what's toxic not the water itself the energy okay. field hmm. kind of memorizes that haunting and he, he investigated a lot into that type of geopathic stress as well so if you've got underground water in your home and there's been a bad event in your home uh, by a previous occupant or the, the history of the land you're starting to build up a kind of whole toxic story beautiful mm, thought okay well um gonzillas is uh, back with us again he asks is it true that these stress lines are getting closer with time uh, there are there are dancers that that say that the grids are, are changing and mm. you know the advent of the procession of the equinoxes the change of an age and like from the age of pisces to aquarius that can affect uh the grid lines I, I actually uh, feel with working with these energies for quite some time, it's a bit like an in-breath and an out-breath. I think sometimes, the, you know, change will happen and it's a bit like they're adjusting themselves. Uh, okay. And I, I've noticed that uh, in different parts of the world that, uh, that I've doused. To be honest, to answer these questions categorically, even though I've been dousing for, you know, uh, half my, my life, I've been dousing for a long, long time. We do not have all of the answers. You'll, you'll get doubts and say, oh, it's this, it's that, it's this. This is how a grid behaves. This is how a lay behaves. We're at the point now of trying to understand our planet and no one has the full answers. So to try and answer that question truthfully, nobody really knows. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the truth. Yes. But I think it's an adjustment that's going on at the moment. Okay. Now, can we swing the conversation to... Uh, the usage of dowsing for frequency treatments. Sure. Uh, now, this is a, uh, a spooky summer and, and a lot of spooky users um, get confused in deciding which programs to run and which frequencies to run. Can dowsing be used to help in that regard? If they have a, a screen full of programs, for example, 
can they do something to choose the programs best suited for themselves? Yes, dancing can be used on many different levels uh, like that. One of these, the simple uh, levels that you can use is with these Egyptian uh, pendulums. But you, you can finite pendulum dowsing to get find your own frequency uh, and things like that. Uh, you, you can use it like that. But just for a moment, we're going to touch on the Egyptian pendulum because you can do this easily by yourself and for yourself and it's quite empowering. You don't need to understand a lot about dowsing to do so. Okay. As long as you get the benefits that I described that come into two parts. Now, if we imagine for one moment that when the sun emits its light frequency, we know it has an electromagnetic spectrum of the colors of the rainbow, ultraviolet, infrared, for instance. And then bees know about ultra, ultraviolet, although some we can't see. The French diviners, uh, many uh, years ago, claimed that there were other colors infra-black, infra-white, and negative green that I mentioned earlier. And these are the colors of the sun, the esoteric colors of the sun, and the earth emits these colors and frequencies as well. So we're looking at them as frequencies, but we're gonna describe them as a color emission, okay? okay. okay. Now, one of the most healing color emissions is the white frequency of the sun and of the earth, okay? It clears, it's a bit like a cleansing tonic, and it can uh, dispel negative uh, energy, be that a disease, or be that a kind of toxic uh, geopathic stress zone. So it's a kind of cure-all, the, the Isis pendulum. And this is the four-bar Isis pendulum. You can get a six-bar, you know, uh, in this instance, and it doesn't uh, really matter. Now, say you're working with this pendulum in a home, for, for example then you can go uh, around the rooms, uh, focusing on the corners. And the, the pendulum, even if you just hold it for, for a while, it may or may or not, not do this now, John, because you know it's a, it's a false environment. So I may get the pendulum uh, swinging falsely. It's not doing anything. So let's say I'm in a place and it starts swinging naturally by itself, okay? You let it start swinging naturally. It would tend to go clockwise. And I'm just gonna give it a kind of little bit of a push and it's going clockwise, and you can go around the room focusing on the corners, and that's putting in ultra-white energy into those corners, and then you could, you know, walk around the room, and then whenever you do any room clearing with the ISIS, you go to the near center of, of the room, that's always called the esoteric center, the part of a room or the heart of a, a house, and do some more clearing that way. This pendulum uh, can be programmed to allow any frequency of that electromagnetic spectrum to be applied to it, okay? Now, what does, that, what does that mean? If you just spend some time prior to using the ISIS pendulum by focusing on all of those colors, I meditate on the color red, I meditate on the color orange, etc., and all the invisible colors that we've just described. And then you can program that color frequency into the pendulum to allow it to start to emit that frequency as well. And that can be, you know, quite healing. But if you have a disease that is very stuck uh, and ingrained and you want to try and get the body to self-heal, then you would use something a little bit stronger like the Karnak pendulum like this one I'm going to show to screen again which allows a kind of shift to happen because that's constantly emitting the negative green frequency that can do anything from mummification which obviously we don't want <laughs> uh, to uh, other uh, healing and small doses it can be very medicinal and you literally just allow the pendulum to swing go around somebody's body and when it finds an area of imbalance let's say you'll notice it will start to jar it will start to not go in a circular motion it will jar and jar and jar and jar and then it will go into a swinging motion and that's changing the frequencies very simply using two pendulums and each time that you have finished you dismantle the pendulum and keep it you know wrapped up uh, ideally. So I think the Egyptian pendulums are very simple to use and quite empowering. But you do need just a few little exercises to begin with because 
uh, Egypt and, and Dalston, in a way, is kind of like ritualistic in a way. So how am I supposed to give out the healing frequency of the color red if I haven't experienced it within my own consciousness? So following a few of these simple exercises, you can then really understand the frequencies of the sun, the frequencies of the earth, and allow this to self-heal our planet and ourselves and our homes. So they're very easy to use. Okay. Um, the spooky system applies frequencies to your body using a frequency generator. Can we use dowsing to find the frequencies to use with this equipment? Absolutely. Well, what, what a lot of dowsers use is called a biometer. And a biometer is a dowsing aid. I mean, today it's like a laminate piece of you know paper with all different frequencies of it because... It was, it was found, uh, again, about sort of 60 years ago, maybe a little bit longer, so don't quote me on that. The different frequencies of cancer, of uh, negative foods, of your body, on its etheric level, on its emotional level, mental level, etc. And you can find out the frequency very easily by using a biometer, which I'm sure could be applied to your methodology. It's the same thing, you see what I mean? You're using a dowsing aid. And then you could just use a normal standard pendulum like this. You place it over the biometer, for instance, and you could use your own frequency meter for that. And we could get together on that. And I could help you produce one in probably in a, in a couple of moments. You know, just give me the details and I, uh, I, I could easily do that. And the, the idea behind it is you put the pendulum there and it shows you the frequency that you would need or that would need clear in. So yes, you can use it on many different levels like that. And uh, the only thing that holds anyone back with dowsing is often quite a lack of imagination or how to apply it. If, if you have an idea, dowsing can uh, really generate uh, a kind of wider picture behind that. So I would say yes, 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 that question. And so the idea of the dowsing for the frequencies would be the dowsing pendulum would move in a different way when it's over a number that is the correct numbers, if I yeah, if we yeah, exactly, exactly. So you're 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 bang on there, uh, John. Yeah. Most of the good biometers are kind of. Do you know those old-fashioned protractors you used to have at school to measure I don't, angles? They call them old-fashioned, <laughs> but yes, I do. I, I my grandfather told me about them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Well, if you. Yeah, if you imagine that shape, it's really good to use as a biometer because you can have a line at the bottom yes. and then lots of angles going across like the dome effect. Is what yeah. I'm saying? You know, yeah. say, let's say one to 10, just to keep it really simple. 10 right being now. a really high energy, zero being a low energy. And we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You put the pendulum on it. What is the frequency that uh, I emit at this moment in time? What's the frequency I need? And it will go one, two, three. Do you see what I'm saying? You can use a biometer uh, on that level. It will give reveal a lot of information about your home, your own frequencies, and uh, and healing frequencies as well. Okay. The, the um, is the Bovis biometer a, a particular brand of biometer? It was, it was developed by the early French pioneers I described yes. earlier, yes. the part of their team. So it's, it's a very standard one. It's the, it's the Bovis uh, meter, and uh, you can see it. There's not particularly good ones online. I mean, I would say when you're looking for a Bovis meter, get one that has at least geopathic stress on it, uh, cancer frequency on it, which is about four, uh, 4,860, I think my memory serves me correct. And, uh, and it has all the different frequencies on it, but there are some dreadful ones if, if you go onto Google image. So just be a little bit discerning. A, a good bovis meter will be kind of like that, that kind of protractor shape. And it will have geopathic stress, curry net, Hartman net written on it under geopathic stress. Tuberculosis and different kind of illnesses go right the way up to cancer on it, then it will have the spiritual frequencies going in the opposite direction. You know, if you take a, a bovis meter to an ancient site and ask for its frequency, whoop, it's going to go off the scale, you know, because they're good to interact with. And then I've developed one myself, um, which shows you the different color 
ranges that I described, you know, the ultra white, white, etc., negative green, and then how it affects your uh, etheric body and your auric field uh, below. So you could go to a house, for example, because people think lace and grid lines, they're just straight lines, they're just straight. But they emit all of these colors uh, all at once. A bit like the electromagnetic rainbow, but one dominant color prevails, yeah? So let's say you've got an energy line and you've got some horses or some cattle stabled and you've got a red energy line flowing through it and on the biometer it comes out a negative range, which is called electric, they just call it magnetic or electric, then those cattle are going to be very agitated because it's a red energy that's kind of like a physical enhancer and they will be restless. And so if you live on a red color line, it's going to be not good for your sleeping, as well as interpreting it just as grid and lanes. And in esoteric dowsing terms, we say, for instance, the base chakra, which we all know is red, isn't it? We say that's the color of the base chakra. In esoteric dowsing terms, you'd say, yes, but it contains all of the colors of the esoteric colors of the sun, all of the esoteric colors of the earth, but red is dominant. In its opening, just what I mean, but it's not one you cannot have in uh, scientific and especially Dowson terms one color and one color alone. It's a multitude of colors and one prevails. Uh, but you know, that's, uh, that's a little bit different than the standard way of thinking about chakras, but, but that's how an esoteric Dowson would definitely interpret them. Now, you've traveled to many different places and done immensely interesting work, and I saw some photographs in some research you're involved with Korean photographs which actually captured the energy of some ancient sites is that yes I mean that yeah that's that's very intriguing I mean I think again that's in its pioneering stages okay uh, and it is intriguing because uh, I pointed out to uh, a guy that had this filter that he claims can capture earth energies and uh, it seemed that where there was earth energies you did get a reaction with these multitude of colored lights that I've just described all of the electromagnetic spectrum will be present and where you didn't have kind of a standing stone rooted into an earth energy system or a grid line or a lay you didn't get that uh, effect but I do feel again we're at the we're at the age of being pioneers in this I don't think it's the end result results at all so i mean i think it's going to go on and develop and we're going to go on and develop our understanding uh, of uh, of these energies but one thing i have noticed if you know you do interact with a standing stone at particular points on a large megalith stone your consciousness does change and you know when you go into these ancient sites you are in an altered state of consciousness you may not think you may be just wandering around stonehenge or wandering around uh, Karnak, but you are actually in an altered state of uh, consciousness, and that's what these ancient places with the earth energies, especially the uh, underground deep water, is kind of expanding your auric field, and the uh, the auric field of the place itself is strewn. If we're to believe these filter systems and these uh, electromagnetic color spectrums, is a wonder. Right. Right. Going back to the biometer. <laughs> sure. Is it possible to have, or maybe, has anyone developed a program that can be run on, say, a tablet, which is the size of a, an A4, for example, piece of paper, that has the, the biometer, the, um, you know, the, the semicircle showing the, you know, we can have the, the pendulum above there, that can, you can um, douse for energies using an interactive program with the frequencies showing up on the screen or does it have to be, a, you know, something like a piece of paper or wood or? I think it's best to, best, best to have something organic and I think it's, it's really okay. good to have a person doing that because it's about the relationship of someone with a dowsing instrument to it. Yes. Yes. And also I've taken people to 
for example, the Rollwright Ring in Oxfordshire, a wonderful stone circle. I ask your, you know, your listeners to Google that. So it's, a, it's a wonderful place in Oxfordshire, very quintessentially uh, an English landscape. Uh, but more than that, you take tablets there, okay, and you wanted to do that energy work. Well, I took some Italians there, and the tablets start to go down. They go faulty because you're in an earth energy environment, and that can cause problems to uh, tablets and the phones. You might get your phone uh, not uh, behaving as it normally does uh, at these places. And then if you start to do a lot of grid work, you'll notice as well, you might get interference on, on things like tablets, netbooks, and, uh, and phones. It was quite funny because when we were at the roll right with the whole group, and they were very, very uh, competent dancers. We were doing some very advanced dancing. Uh, so they knew their stuff, as it were, you know. And uh, the um, uh, Apple went down first. <laughs> Then it was Samsung, <laughs> and then good old-fashioned, someone had a good old-fashioned Blackberry, and yes. that seemed quite uh, not affected by uh, the energies. And then I've had people in hotel swipe cards. You, know, you get a swipe card to enter your room at a hotel. If you take those to Avery, I took one tour of uh, wonderful uh, Americans. Uh, we did Ireland and England, ancient sites. They go back to their hotel after interacting with the megalithic energy. I was saying at certain points in a standing stone and their swipe cards wouldn't work. Technology could be a good thing with earth energies, but I think it could be a little bit problematic at, at times. So I'd okay. say the old fashioned method is you as well. You picking up on the energy. You okay. understand how it uh, affects people. But yes, I'm sure that that is possibly even being developed. I honestly don't know. Can we talk a bit about ley lines? Because they're very intriguing. Ley lines, the, the significance of ley lines. Ley lines, what, what, is, a, what is a ley line? I mean, this, uh, this uh, is uh, in itself uh, an argument by some. Yes. At the, in the 1920s, the, the kind of father of ley lines was called Alfred Watkins, who wrote a seminal book called The Old Straight Track. And he said, uh, in his understanding, if you get five or more ancient sites, and that could include, incidentally, medieval churches, manor houses, because I described earlier how the uh, secret societies knew about these energies, springs, hill forts, you know, a lot of things of antiquity in a straight line, and you have five or more, you have a lay. So you can have localized lay systems in your area okay short lays let's put one at five miles long for argument's sake then you can have lays that course for 300 miles long like the well-documented saint michael ley line discovered by john michelle then you can make them global and then they're great circles that go around the globe because if you put a straight line around the globe eventually it's going to a circle so you can have these circular lay systems as well and a lot of people today are focusing on the global uh, circular lays but i really think to really understand lays is go back to your local lays look at an ordnance survey map of your area see if there's five or more sites in a straight line just as alfred watkins did you know back in the day as it were and then interact with that line, see if it has energy. Because in the 70s, you had investigators saying some energy, uh, some lays rather, have no energy. They're just a topographical join the dots of your five sites. Yeah, it's like join the dots. Then you have some lays that do have energy. They're called an E line, an energy line. Then what the ancients did to some lays is they orientated it to a celestial event. Like Samhain today, it'd be orientated to that sunrise or that sunset, the summer solstice, for example. Now they're astronomical topographical energy lines. So what John Michel said, who wrote The New View of Atlantis and did a lot of investigations into lays, right up to his uh, death, which I think was about five or six years uh, ago. Uh, he looked into lays and said some of them are manipulated by man because they're constantly pointing to a celestial event, cannot be happy charts. So I think our ancient ancestors manipulated some lines to, to coincide with that solar 
event that seems to make the leg more powerful and activated when that sun angle hits that line. And what I have noticed that our ancient ancestors did, they dug out some of the lays to funnel that light through as well. Oh, that's how, how intriguing. Wow. I um, have a question come in from Helen Pridjon. Um, Helen asks, is there an energy line between Stonehenge and the Temple of Karnak, uh, Karnak, Karnak in Egypt? Are you aware of any energy line between those two points? Well, uh, well, yes. I mean, when you come to these major places, and these, these are your big uh, megalithic capitals, spiritual centers of the ancient world categorically, Mm. Then they are, but it must have. If you if you use orthodox time dates, and we're just going to do that as an exercise, I think they're all older. But we're going to use two thousand five hundred BC and three thousand BC, whatever. Okay. Uh, it seems like some of them are the mother sites, the mother places, and then the younger Bronze Age, uh, medieval, go on the same line, but a later date. So I always look right. to the older sites as the initiators of the lay systems that are, are created but to answer the uh, Helen's uh, question yes there are there's going to be numerous lines coming out of stone there are numerous lines coming out of uh, Karnak that I've uh, doused right. uh, and others alike uh, so yes they're, they're nexus points imagine like a, a dartboard effect lots of yes. lines coming out of an ancient site and you're, you're pretty accurate Okay. She's got a part B to her question as well. Um, yeah. Um, but it's not a catch. Um, if one's house lay in the path of one of those energy lines, would it be beneficial? Would it be detrimental? Is it good, bad? That's a really good question, okay? Because there was a change of thought in 1990, okay? So I'm going to give you the history, and I'm going to get your audience to be a thinking audience, okay? Now, prior, prior to the sort of 90s, all of the work done by an agricultural scientist to boot that put seeds on these power lines, they are power lines, okay? They found that it had stunted growth. Okay, that the lays were very powerful, but they weren't very good to live in organisms, to be on full-time, long-term exposure. Okay? The, the foodstuffs did not uh, grow well. In ancient China, who documented uh, geomancy and called it, you know, feng shui, feng shui, you say tomato, I say tomato, whatever. Uh, they documented categorically that energy travels far too fast. They called it qi. Energy travels far too fast in a straight line. The chi goes zhong. That's why all of their roofs are slightly curved and horseshoe shaped. It allows chi to slow down. Okay? So prior to the 1990s, it was thought that a long-term exposure living on these power lines was not good. Okay? And yes. that's the history. Now, in the 1990s, you had uh, certain publication houses promoting certain people that changed all of the research to that date and said, wow, you should live on a crossing point of lace. They're fantastic. They're up your energy levels. They're brilliant. You know, and then you had that school of thought come around. And let's look at the master dowsers that have looked into this in the 80s prior to that kind of uh, a new school of thought called Hamish Miller and Paul Broadhurst. Hamish has forwarded my books. Uh, he's a, he was a master dancer, passed over uh, some years ago now, sadly so. Now he documented that around some lays, ley lines, you have earth currents entwining them. So imagine the caduceus symbol and you're not too far off of a ley system, a straight line that has earth currents entwining it. One is male and one is female, or that's a lay system. Now, he looked at people living on the lays and people living on the earth currents, yeah? And what he noticed was you have to be a very balanced person to live on those. Why? They amplify your emotion. Well, that's great if I'm feeling quite happy. Woo, I'm going to go up a notch. 
But if I'm feeling quite low, I'm going to go down into depression quite quickly and quite sharply. So he advocated that the ancient ancestors, how they use ley lines and earth energies that entwine them, is you interact with it. You go there and you come back. Nobody lived at Stonehenge. Nobody lived at Avebury Henge in the UK. No piece of rubbish was ever dropped. It's called a clean archaeological site. Why? They were going there, getting the energy and re-energizing, but going home. They didn't leave on it. And as a person that notes, if you go to ancient sites a lot, you do need to ground a lot. You need to ground yourself because you, you, do, you do go up uh, a notch. So in answer to the question, my school of thought is, I would say interact with energy lines. It's not that good to live upon high energy lines. I think the Chinese were right. I think the French were right, and I think all the researcher, researchers prior to 1990 were correct, is, is my take on it. Okay. Uh, I'll squeeze, that's, I know it's early morning for you, Maria, and you've got things to do. I'll just squeeze in one last question. It's a question from Carmela Walker. Um, she asks, well, she makes a statement first. She says, hi. Hi, Carmela. Uh, she says, I have four portals around four streets around our home. And amazing psychic results. And she's asking, are these ley lines? For There's many different types of portals. And uh, the crossing points of lays or of grid lines, they can create a kind of vortex uh, portal uh, effect. And, and, it, and it's believed by dancers, some are very, uh, you know, they do take you to a much higher consciousness, that altered state of consciousness uh, for sure. Some of uh, vortex portals can give energy up like this, but some can suck it down as well. Yeah, so you, you'll, so you'll soon know what type of portal you're on. You're either going to go up, up in consciousness or you're, you're going to feel like your energy is down. So there, there, there's many different types, uh, and some are called involutionary ones, which expand your, your consciousness and you, you grow and grow quite rapidly you don't need an hour therapy on this point you need a couple of minutes and bang you you can have downloads and things so so yes they're, they're wonderful places and to be in a facility of uh, four that's like having four universities on your doorstep <laughs> <laughs> if used correctly yeah 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 well thank you so much for your time maria it's been fantastic having you on the SEMA program. We've, we've all learned a terrific lot. So thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. That was amazing. That was really good. Thanks, Maria. I have learned a lot. I'm going to make my own rod, I think, and uh, do a bit of wandering and uh, see what it tells me. <laughs> Yeah, 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 for sure. And, uh, you know, if, if you do want uh, any help doing a kind of biometer, run it past me, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, I'd help out on, on any level like that. I may do so. Um, yeah, I may do so. I've got a few ideas. See, I developed Spooky, and I might be able to incorporate the, um, you know, to, to help people find the right programs or whatever. If I can find some way of, doing that then or then will benefit everyone well have a fantastic day i hope it's yeah absolutely absolutely and, and, and thanks for having me john <laughs> okay you take care bye-bye and you see ya bye-bye